welcome to Fishing Without Bait. Splash! And you might take that as a precursor to our guest tonight, who is a professional wrestler. And as always, we offer an eclectic group of guests. We love to talk about people in recovery. We talk about how they got here from there. And the only requirement for membership to this little club is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. If you're welcome nowhere else, you're certainly welcome here. Let the adventure begin. And today we're joined by Mr. Jace. Jace, if you were captured by space aliens and you had to represent yourself and they said, tell us, tell us about a human being named Jace, what would you say to them? <laughs> That's an interesting question, but um, yeah, that, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still discovering myself, I think, uh, through recovery. You know, it's, it's almost been two years since I've been sober and, um, you know, there's still so much new things that I'm discovering and uh, it's been a great process of learning who I really am. And, you know, I was, I was an alcoholic for quite a while. So it's uh, when you, when you, become an alcoholic when you're in addiction it's uh it's really tough to actually know who you are especially for that amount of time so um it's a, it's been a blessing to discover who i really am and i uh i'm really enjoying who i'm coming out to be so well in the 12-step world which you told me that you're familiar with we often differentiate between what's called a belly button birthday when you're come out of your mother's womb and your sobriety date, we refer to that as actually the day you became alive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when we take that first step, Jace, we look at that second part of that first step, uh, your life had become unmanageable. So tell us about your the unmanageability of Jace's life. It's, it's kind of a different story. Um, I was doing really well, honestly, like in work and... Uh, as my, as far as my career goes, you know, I was able to hide my addiction really, really well. My parents didn't know I had a problem. My friends thought I was just like fun, fun Jace. Um, and behind closed doors, I was drinking a lot, like sun up to sun, sun up to sun down, but nobody seemed to notice. I kept getting promotions at work. Like it, it was crazy. Um, it was like the worst person, worse of a person I was, the more successful I got in the business world, which was not good. But um, the uh, it eventually came to a turning point. I had a girlfriend who meant a lot to me and we ended up moving in together. So she kind of got to see behind closed doors of how I actually was. And she thought it was a major problem, um, which it was. So uh, I owe a lot to her to getting me sober. Um, and from there, I mean, I was, it was getting so bad that I was getting violently ill, you know, from drinking all the time. Like it was starting to affect my health. Um, I always made it to work, always did stuff like that somehow. I don't know how it's to this day, but um, it eventually got to the point where I had to miss work because I was in the hospital. So, uh, you know, after it got to that point, I had to get myself into rehab and uh, it didn't, you know, I didn't get it the first time. Like a lot of people don't, you know, it took me quite a few times in rehab to get it. And, uh, I finally did. And, you know, that, that's what bring me here today. 
Well, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down. It's how many times Absolutely. you get back up. So when we talk about the unmanageability of addiction, Jace, I often refer to that as losing who you are. That's the unmanageability of addiction. It's So tell, uh, tell our audience, when you were looking in the mirror when you were out running, uh, mm-hmm. tell us what you were seeing. Uh, not myself. It was somebody that I don't, I don't even know who it was because it was a bad person. It was, um, and you know, I, I would, I was never really like none of my friends when I was growing up, never took me as like somebody to be like an office type person, like a nine to five guy. I was too creative. And, uh, I basically lost all my creativity and kind of just went into the system of, you know, working that nine to five and, trying to race those rats and um you know i got sucked in and that's money was basically all that mattered to me and that's just not who i am as a person and i knew that and uh i had to get away for sure well what you're talking about is losing sight of what's important right and there's a line in the book that says that uh, the alcoholic knows loneliness like no other tell us about that jace um, yeah. I mean, that was my go-to, you know, I was, I, of course I drank with my friends and stuff when I was in full addiction, but, um, I isolated, like that was my thing. I sat in my room for, you know, when it got really, really bad when like, you know, it was hitting the fan. It was, um, I sat in my room for weeks at a time and just drank, fell asleep, drank, fell asleep and hardly even got out of bed. You know, it was, uh, it was tough. For sure. And uh, that, to me, was the loneliest time of my entire life, without a doubt. Yes. Well, quite often what I'll tell people is usually the end stages of addiction involve isolation. However, Uh when I talk about end stages, the end stage can last a long time. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Um, Fortunately, like through this whole thing, I only was you know in addiction for a couple of years and i managed to you know figure out what was going on and you know i wasn't in out of rehab for about a year but you know it it really only took up about three maybe four years of my life when i to me that's a blessing because i've seen people you know come through that it's taken up 20 30 years of their life which is you know that's really hard so i always love to hear about people's moment of clarity when they opened their eyes and said, okay, I'm accepting the fact that by myself, I can't handle this. Yeah. Um, I think I had a lot of those, but it was the moment of clarity for me was when like, I, I, so like when I began going to rehab, I thought, you know, I could do well for a couple months and then go have another drink or everything will be fine. I'll, I'll learn how to control my drinking, drinking, being an addict base or drinking successfully, you know what I mean? Which I realized pretty quickly that I couldn't do when I kept winding up in rehabs, you know, I would have, I would do well for like two weeks, have just like one drink a night, glass of wine or something. And then next thing I knew, you know, I was full blown again and right back in the rehab facility. And that happened to me a few times until I was finally like, okay, I got to do something or, you know, I'm going to spend, I'm going to end up dying. And and I understand that you're able to carry that message now that simply because that happened to you doesn't mean you're a weak-willed type of a person. 
that you're worthless, that you could change if you wanted to. Uh, right. What what that means is that you have a disease and a disorder, much like a person who has cancer or diabetes or heart disease. There's mm-hmm. there's a treatment for that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know that this twelve step program is the thing that saved my life. And you know rehabs, of course, they're great to get you sober and all that stuff. But like, if I didn't do the work when I got out of uh, out of those re- out of that last rehab, then there's no shot for me. You know, I had to go through the steps. I had to go to meetings. I had to do everything that you're supposed to do to get sober. And I did it and then tenfold. So I, I made sure I was going to stay sober this time. Well, rehabs are amazingly wonderful places. Yeah. Um, however, there's a, such a short period of time there that quite often uh, they can only treat the symptoms. And what we often do in the 12-step world is find out what's driving behavior. Uh, 12-step recovery, contrary to popular belief that's depicted in uh, the motion pictures, whatever, uh, it's not about stopping use drinking or using drugs or gambling or the other numerous groups. It's all about behavioral change. It's about having a change in your thoughts and a change in your actions. So tell us a little bit about that journey for you, Jace. Um, yeah, I realized I had a great sponsor, first of all. I have to credit a lot of that to him. Um, but he d- instilled in me pretty quickly that, you know, quitting, you know, stop stopping drinking was the easy part in this. It was changing who you really are as a person and the way you behave, like you just said. Um, and I, you know, right away, that's what I started working on was figuring out what my flaws were. You know, I my sponsor worked me through the steps pretty quickly um, as they do sometimes in AA. But um, I think it was good for me because I got to, you know, get right into the problem, right into the root of what was going on in my mind. And I'm still working on myself. I think it's a never ending process. Um, And there's still things that I need to fix and, you know, I'm working on it every single day. And I think that's part of, you know, the program. Well, we're always evolving, always, always. And, on this show and in my own practice, um, we're helping people not find themselves, but however, create themselves. Right. Absolutely. And like, like I said earlier, it's, it's been finding, finding myself and creating a new person um, because I'm doing so many things that I would have never done before, like becoming a pro wrestler. I mean, that was, I'm a, I'm a little later in age than most of the people. Um, so kind of start chasing my dream at this age, you know, it wasn't looked as the uh, safest bet, but, you know, I'm doing it and I've been pretty successful at it. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy about the person I'm creating for sure. So addiction, addiction limits or completely blanks our choices. And mm-hmm. when you become clean and sober and your mind starts to clear a bit, then you develop all these possibilities. Yeah, I took it, you know, as an opportunity just like that. I said, you know, I was making good money before and everything, like all that was there, uh, all that type of stuff. But I left that all behind to become a behavior health technician and, you know, start helping other people and also to chase my dream. And I looked at it as just a clean slate and, uh, that's exactly what I did. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, everything seems to work out a little bit better 
when you're sober, no matter how much money you have or what it is. <laughs> I, imagine, seemed, imagine that. <laughs> it came when needed. You know, it's not a huge part of my life anymore, to be honest with you. It's my life uh, revolves around my family and revolves around my dreams and my passions. And so. again, you're finding out what's important. You know, the Japanese have a concept called Ikigai and Iki means life, guy means purpose. And there's four types of, there's four concentric circles. It's a Venn diagram that goes into the center. And one of them is things that I'm good at, things that I'm passionate about, things that I can get paid for, and things that people want. So Mm -hmm. in the 12-step world, we talk about one of the most, there's two purposes. Number one, stay clean and sober. Number two, carrying the message. Yeah. So so I compliment you. Everyone in recovery, and Jace, everybody's in recovery from something. Everybody in recovery is my hero. They're a hero. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And, um, you know, I, I know what it takes to get, you know, recover from this type of stuff. It takes a very strong individual. So everybody I see, I have nothing but respect for them if they're, you know, doing this recovery thing. Well, often... Anybody's in recovery, I often suggest to them that they don't need to lower their eyes to any human being on earth. No, that's a hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I've definitely changed my views on stuff like that, like a complete 180 because, you know, I did, I had a big problem with, um, judging a book by its cover and things like that being more materialistic, but, um, that has changed completely. You know, I like getting to know people and having conversations before I even judge anybody. So, well, in the story, acceptance was the answer. It used to be called Dr. Alcoholic Addict. He states specifically in there that AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, it does. So, uh, <laughs> quite often, Jace, when I'm up at doing these little talks, I'll have some people come up and stand in front of me and I'll smile and say, Hey, I'm a horse. Pretend I'm a smiling horse. What do you see? Well, they get pretty colorful. Um, however, they say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll bite. You're a smiling horse. And then I'll have them go around behind me, Jason. I'll bend over and I'll say, no, no, tell me what you see. And then I really get some colorful comments. However, (laughs) I make the, uh, I make the point of, I said, here's the point. Did the horse move? And and then they start to get it. No, they don't. Who moved? We did. Okay. Right. There's always, there's always a change of perspective. So tell us about your change of perspective, your clarity, your reversing the lenses in your glasses, Jace. The change of perspective was huge. I mean, I would, like I said, I was a guy that was all about money and making it like screwing over whoever I had to, to get money. And, uh, or get the nice things or the nice cars or, you know, the pretty woman, whatever it may be. Like, um, quickly I realized that that's not something that means a lot to me anymore. Um, I found the major thing through all of this is I found my passion and that being wrestling. Hmm. Um, I put everything I have into that and like, it's, it's been a hell of a journey getting there and continuing doing it. And like, it, it really has changed my perspective on everything because I realize if you're chasing a dream, if you're going after something you love, then, you know, a lot of other stuff doesn't really matter. Like 
I'm not making a ton of money being a behavioral tech, but I love it. And, you know, it allows me to chase the dream. You know what I mean? Do you feel like you're contributing there? Do you feel like you're making a difference? Do you feel like you're appreciated? 100%. Um, I, I talk to these guys every day and, uh, they let us run groups and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they, they enjoy hearing my story, I think, because I can relate to a lot of them. And I I really suggest that they find their passion. And, you know, that's a different outlook that some people may take on recovery, because, you know, that's what worked for me, uh, along with the 12 steps. But uh, I really stress the 12 steps along with, you know, going out there and finding something that you love, because that's, that's really what worked for me at the end. Well, 12-step recovery is a lifestyle. It's a discipline. And when that 12-step says, having had a spiritual awakening, a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other alcoholics. And the real line in that is, and practice these principles in all our affairs. So what you're doing, what you're telling us is that you're modeling behavior. Yeah, I believe so. And, uh, you know, I could always get better, but... I'm working on it every day. So I, uh, I believe that there's a lot that I can do for people in recovery or people trying to get into recovery with the story I, I share with them. And, um, you know, it's just nice to give back really. It's just nice to talk to these people and try to, you know, if I've saved one person since I've been here, then it's worth it for me. Well, you're planting seeds and we don't know when those seeds are going to germinate. Mm-hmm. However, they do know where recovery is. And everyone, everyone is welcome. Everyone's eligible for relapse. It's not part of the program. However, I don't look at these folks as weak people who has fallen. I look at them as resilient, strong individuals who stand back up. Yeah. And, um, that was, that was tough for me because I did relapse a few times. Like I said, um, it was tough to get over those relapses and, you know, try to find that hope again. But I was able to get back on my feet every time. And, you know, I, I was knocked down quite a few times. There were some things that happened during my, you know, recovery that, you know, I'm, I'm surprised I, you know, made it through recovery. But, uh, you know, my brother passed away wow. when I was getting sober for the first time. And that was huge. And he passed away from this very disease. Mm. Um and I ended up going back out and relapsing. And, you know, that was tough for me. That was very tough. But after that time, that's when I actually got it. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise, but it was it was definitely hard. Sometimes it's a misconception that, gee, if uh, Johnny quits uh, drinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to become president of the United States, emperor of the world. Uh, right. Or if Mary stops using drugs, uh, she'll become a Rhodes Scholar, all these things. That's not necessarily true. Because life keeps coming at us. Life mm-hmm. keeps coming. And although we no longer have alcohol or drugs to buffer that and to distance ourselves away from it and av- avoidance, I, I often consider drugs and alcohol just to be a, a, a symptom of avoidance. And however, now we have to face these things head on. And Jace, we don't have to face them by ourselves. Yeah, we have, I have a great, you know, we as I like to call it, you know, a, a great community of people that I can rely on. And uh, the biggest thing about, you know, the recovery for me is, um, was finding those people that I can rely on because, you know, you have your friends out there 
um, when you're using and everything who you think your friends are, but you learn real quick who your real friends are when you get sober. And uh, that was another tough thing for me. But, you know, I have the tools now to get through what I would like to say anything, but you never know. But um, I have the tools that I need to get through whatever may come by. You know what I mean? And that gives me the ease, uh, ease of mind and uh, to know that I can handle things today. You know what I mean? Well, we call them friends of commonality. Okay. The commonality mm -hmm. is that you drank or did whatever together. And after that's over, there's no animosity or ill will. Those people just don't fit in your world. Right. And that, uh, you know, that's what I learned happened. It's sad, but, you know, um, there's friends that I've had to keep a distance from just because that, you know, that is their world is, is living, living for the weekend and stuff like that. And it's just, like you said, it's not a part of my life anymore. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't hold any oh well at all. Uh, they're good people. They're, they can drink successfully. I'm kind of jealous, but you know, <laughs> I'm not one of, I'm not one of those people that, you know. Well, we often talk on this show about 3 a.m. friends, Jace. That means literally and or figuratively, if you were stuck along some country road or whatever at 3 a.m. and you called a friend that I call a 3 a.m. friend that would without hesitation, get out of bed and come and get you. Yeah, those are the people I found. And I never really thought I would find people like that, um, to be honest with you. But it's crazy how good, you know, some of the people that I've become close with are just off the scales. Um, and I couldn't ask for anything more. You know, my friend group might not be as big as it used to, but it's definitely closer and tighter knit. So, well, these people, these for. people have shared a, a common peril, as it says in the book. And it often says that our singleness of purpose binds us together and we're people who normally would not mix. But you don't have to go into those rooms and explain yourself, do you? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that those rooms are for, you know, when I first went in the rooms, I didn't hardly talk. I just listened and uh, I did whatever my sponsor told me. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I took every suggestion I could because I was, I think you have to hit that rock bottom in order to truly get this fixed because, um, it was, it was it for me. I, it was either that or that or nothing. I was getting sober. Well, it says we have to be beaten into a sense of reasonableness and that doesn't necessarily mean a physical beating from someone. Right. And, um, it was definitely mental for me, you know, obviously I had the physical stuff going on being in the hospital and everything from drinking, but like it, it, I couldn't do it anymore. And, uh, I th think hitting that and, um, knowing that I, it was time for me and, you know, the biggest thing that helped me was I told myself, you know, I've had my fun and it was done. So <laughs> I, I, and I definitely had my fun there for a while, but it, it's, it's time to move on and grow up and uh, do something with my life. And I think I'm doing that. And that's, that's pretty cool. Well, it sounds like you're right here. You're right now. And you're looking forward into your life and having some goals and some ambitions. And you have a good group of friends that when uh, nobody ever asks you in the room, well, why did you do that? Jace, they know why you did it. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and if you go back out and come back in, nobody's going to tell you you're not welcome here or nobody's going to ask, well, why did you do that? They're just, they're, they're just welcoming. They're just glad you're there. 
Yeah, and that's that was amazing to see too. You know, I thought there would be judgment and stuff like that, but you know, it really wasn't. When I when I came back in the rooms after a couple of times of relapsing, everybody was open arms, and uh, that's the amazing thing about you know this process and the twelve, just the people. Um, it's amazing to meet like-minded people like that that act genuinely care because I never had that in my life before. Well, they're genuinely happy that someone comes back. They're genuinely thrilled for someone. And I've often found, Jace, that as many times as you encounter somebody, you're as happy to see them and they're as happy to see you the first time as they are the thousandth time. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally true. Um, I I don't know. It, it's definitely, it's new. It's still new to me to see like, these people, at first I was very skeptical because, you know, everybody wanted something from me whenever they were being nice to me before. So it was tough to, like, these people just want to, like, be friendly. Like, that that was just so foreign to me that I didn't understand it. But um, just seeing, like, how much love is in those rooms and being a part of it, it has been nothing but a blessing. Jace, it's been a great conversation, and it sounds like we have a lot more to discuss, and we'll pick this up next week. However, until then, we often, however, until then, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television, and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself. Do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.